It's the Greasy Knuckles Podcast. From mini bikes to drift trikes and jet skis to ATVs, we're talking all things power sports from a do-it-yourself, non-mechanics perspective. I'm your host, Joe Cart. Let's get greasy. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Greasy Knuckles podcast, episode four, titled Harbor Freight and the Infamous Predator Power Plants. I've really been looking forward to this topic, and I'm excited to get into it. We're going to be talking about the store itself and everything in it, the Predator engine line, and everything that's great about that. A pretty typical episode. If you've listened to any of the previous ones, we're going to start out though with what actually is a Harbor Freight and Harbor Freight and tools as it is actually titled is described as a tool and equipment retailer and they have over 1300 locations across the United States. A little backstory on what Harbor Freight is and how it came to be. Harbor Freight and Salvages began in North Hollywood, California in 1977, and as their business expanded, they changed the name to Harbor Freight Tools. Roots came from mail order catalogs throughout the 1980s, acquiring businesses with the same model throughout their uh, come up. The first Harbor Freight brick and mortar retail store opened in 1980 in Lexington, Kentucky. Their corporate headquarters were in Camarillo, California, as well as their testing facilities. And currently they operate out of Calabasas, California. And what makes Harbor Freight so special? Why am I even talking about them? Well, number one, they are cheap, cheap, cheap. They cut out the middleman and produce, test, and supply their own merchandise throughout the store, which gives them a more competitive price point. A lot of their stuff has to do with power sports, which brings me to what is actually in a Harbor Freight. They have everything from zip ties to full generators and everything in between, all sorts of tool equipment, uh, spray guns, and any hand tool that you could possibly need. They have like lawn care stuff. It's basically a hardware store, but There's not so much, like, nuts and bolts. Anyway, Harbor Freight can be compared to a store like Tractor Supply Co., where you can find a lot of good stuff for power sports. Tractor Supply Co. is even more oriented towards power sports in general, but the big difference is they are not cheap. They have a lot of quality stuff from pulleys for pulley swaps to, like, parts for a certain lawn tractor or what have you, that would be the place to go. But Harbor Freight is more of an everything store in a sense, uh, tools and equipment. And now let's talk about what I've got in my garage that's from Harbor Freight. And it might be easier to talk about what's not from Harbor Freight. Uh, I have everything I need there, zip ties and both of my... Uh, small power sports, my go-kart and my mini bike boast the Predator 212 power plant that is sold there. And I got mine with that $100 coupon. We'll circle back to that. But man, tools, 
like probably half of my tools are from there. They have just everything. Rope, uh, paracord from Harbor Freight has been very useful for me in uh, replacing pool starters and actually pooling stuff through the woods that uh, has broken down, which happens a little more often than I would probably like. But now let's talk about my favorite engine in the world. It's the Predator 212, and I would compare it to like an LS of the car world. If you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, check out episode two where I'm talking about engines, including the legendary Chevy LS, but Predator Swap the world <laughs> is my sentiment that I'm going to leave with that. Everything should have a Predator on it. I've even seen full cars like this one dude had a Dodge Dakota, I believe, that was running off Predator and Predator 212, mind you. So that's not a very big engine for a full truck, but it was a cool little clip that I saw. And like I said, the $100 coupons. Rest in peace to those. Oh my gosh. You could get a Predator 212cc engine for $100 plus tax. And Gosh, do I miss those days. Uh, inflation aside, they got rid of that coupon probably like a year, two years, maybe even more ago, and it's never going to come back. I'd be happy to see a $130 Predator 212. But then you've got other traditional Predator engines uh, ranging from 79cc to 420cc and possibly above. Uh, depending on the application that you want to put that engine onto is really going to decide what size you get. I can't fit anything bigger than a 212 on my mini bike if I tried. So that's what I went with. And the 79cc, they work okay for a mini bike, but uh, my friend had one and it clearly had less power than the ones with the 212. And now we're going to do one of my favorite topics what's that engine and i'll let that clip play for you now and we'll circle back to that a little later in the episode all right now that you have heard that engine audio let's talk about some of the new stuff that i saw the last time i was at uh, newer Harbor Freight store. Every store varies in what they carry, just like a Target or whatever other brick-and-mortar retailer. And uh, the one in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, has a lot of cool new stuff that I don't see at the one that's more local to me. And uh, they have the Max Output Predator 212, which has a red engine casing. They have the Racing Predator 212, which was really exciting to see. It's at $300, I believe, and another $129 for the kit that makes it usable. And all of that is still without a gas tank, but that thing is absolutely an eater. And talking about differences between these engines, uh, they really... The 212 used to be called the Jing Jong, and I have one of those in my garage. It's what came on my go-kart. I swapped it out for a 212 because it wasn't running right. And since that time, I think it was leaking oil out the case. 
Since that time, I've gotten it repaired and it's just sitting ready to be slapped onto something, but it was a 6.5 horsepower equivalent to a modern 212. And then uh, you got a new 212 as well. There's been, I think, three evolutions of the engine that are all essentially the same. But what's interesting really is that there is an overhead valve 212 and a Hemi 212 and my friend's got the Hemi 212 on his mini bike but I never see them for sale really uh they're marginally better than an overhead valve one and I really want to say no to either one mine's been working out great for me but that's just one of the many varieties of the 212 there's also the racing 212 they're all beautiful beautiful now let's talk about the cost versus brand names like Honda. Uh, Harbor Freight tends to be at least half of the cost of whatever it is being compared to. You can look at their ads to really get a feel for the numbers on things, but a Predator 212 engine is 160 now, as far as I know, and a comparable Honda engine is over $300. So. That's a pretty huge difference, and one of the main appeals of Harbor Freight in itself is just the cheap price point. But then, with that, you got some gripes about the store. Some of the things are clearly cheap, and one example I like to point to are the wheels that they sell. They are just not it for me. I've had several of them break on me. The tires that are on the wheels are in they're, they're not meant for speed or anything like that. Really what you want to look for when you're going to buy a tire is whether it says not for highway use. And if it says that, then you probably want to avoid it on anything that you're going to take over like 25 miles per hour or so. But besides the wheels not being a great quality, everything has gone up in price at Harbor Freight. And, you know, that's just... The times that we're in but really i'm not seeing like the value increase in anything like the 212 went from a hundred dollars to 160 and it's still the same exact thing so who knows on that one i'm no expert on markets or anything of that sort but uh i still gotta stand behind the 212 but another thing while we're on the topic is cheap stuff in general it breaks it's not necessarily reliable uh there was a big controversy over the harbor freight jacks that you know perks up the ears of anyone who has heard about that before i mean there are people who will absolutely not get under a single thing if it's being supported by a harbor freight jack and i'm not like that um they've got their safety equipment figured out at this point uh, but there was a period in time where their cheap jacks would break under a vehicle and cause people injury at a minimum but they've they fixed that problem now as far as I can understand so let's wrap back to the what's that engine audio and I'll let that play one more time here and tell you the answer after
All right, now that that has played, I will tell you it is a Yamaha XT600 from 1992, and that was sent to me by my friend. Uh, I kind of ran out of power sports that I personally own with different engine sounds, so I'm reaching out and expanding what's in it. That thing is a big old single cylinder engine. Uh, it doesn't make a ton of power for what it is but it's it's a great bike and he has a lot of fun on it it's an enduro so that means you can take it in the woods just the same as you can take it on the street and one day i definitely strive to have one of those as well and before i wrap it up i gotta talk about the 212 just a little bit more um and tell you a story of why i really really like it uh, two winters ago, I was out on the ice. The lakes in my area freeze. Not for very long, it would seem like a week or two last year, but two years ago, we had a good season, and I went out there a little too early. I was actually on a snowboard holding onto a rope that was tied to my go-kart, or the Joe cart or the snow cart, as it's dubbed in the winter, and my friend was giving it the gas on the ice, and what do you know? We fell in. I can't say if it was, like, super cold or not, because honestly, I was just in shock. And the minute we went in, I said, oh, no, my go-kart. It flipped upside down and was, like, floating there in the ice. I was like, I got to get it. So I go back, and... We may, we crawl out of the ice hole that we formed, and we're not too far from shore. So I'm like, Ian, my friend, you got to go to shore and get help. I'm going to get the go-kart out. And if that doesn't speak to how like out of it I was in that moment that I thought I was going to pull a full go-kart out of a deep lake that it was frozen into, then I don't know what does. But... uh we both make it to shore because when I went back, I fell in again. Uh, the ice cracked, and I went in. And I said, all right, that's done. It's over. My go-kart's gone forever. So some very nice people helped us out, to whom I'm still very, very grateful. Gave us clothes uh, and a ride home. And once I got home and warmed up, I knew I had to get the go-kart out. Like, it was the only thing I'm... Um, my mind the only thing I, I was gonna swim for that thing if I had to so we go back to the ice and check out the situation and wouldn't you know it the go-kart is still floating upside down in the ice and probably about an hour's gone by at this point so we load up the canoe bring it down to the lake uh, carry it down through the snow and uh, get probably five or ten people there at that point. Uh, the neighbors checking out the situation and everything. And I go out there with the canoe between my legs. And I'm walking. And I actually make it out there without snapping any ice. And I had a rope in my hand. I tied it around the go-kart and made it back to shore without any incident. I was going to, you know, get into the canoe if the ice cracked again and the expanded surface area of it and whatnot should have helped me stay alive, hopefully. But like I said, I'm kind of crazy. <laughs> and we we get some ropes around it, pull it out, and once you know it, my go-kart's still there. And, of course, I'm like, well, 
I gotta get a new engine, but at least I have it. So we drag it home, throw it in the back of the truck, and the next day I wake up, I'm like, you know what? If this engine's gonna work, I'm gonna make it work. And I took a turkey baster and took all of the water out of the gas tank, out of the oil, and ran uh, probably two or three fresh uh, quarts of oil through it and drained those out and put some more oil into it. And I said, let her rip, fire her up. And I did, and it was shooting flames the very next day after falling into the ice for an hour and a half. Like, what? What? <laughs> if that doesn't convince you on why a 212 is a solid, solid choice, then I don't know what will. I mean, I've been up and down through that engine, and it is still, still doing it, uh, probably... A year or two after it fell in initially, and it it's looking good still. I keep it clean and nice. So, moral of the story: Predator 212 won't quit <laughs> no matter what you do. Uh, my friend spray painted one entire like every part of it silver, and it was running like a champ. So, can't kill a 212. Some of them I hear some of them are good from the box, and some of them aren't good from the box. And lucky me, must have got a good one. But hey. That's going to do it for today and my talk on the Predator 212 and Harbor Freight. I want to thank you for listening to the Greasy Knuckles podcast and stay safe out there and check out your Harbor Freight if you've never been in because it's a cool little spot. And I just want to say that this episode was in no way endorsed or known about <laughs> by Harbor Freight itself. So there's no connection there whatsoever. Thanks again. 